Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Well, good morning. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. My name is Rich Birch, the host here, uh, and I just want to say thank you for taking time to spend some time with us uh, today. We've got a real treat uh, on today's show. We have Will Mancini. Uh, he is the clearest guy I know. Church clarity expert, author, uh, consultant. Uh, you know, really friend of the local church in a lot of ways. Will, thanks so much for being on the show today. Hey, Rich. It's great to be with you. Thanks for inviting me. Um, Will, why don't you tell us a bit about you, about your 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 business, your books, all that? Tell me about tell me about who is Will Mancini? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, gosh, I'm I'm just an unchurched uh, guy growing up. I came to Christ in eighth grade. Uh, went kind of grew up in a Bible church in in the northeast area of the country, Pennsylvania, and uh, uh, basically got I felt called to ministry as I was finishing a chemical engineering degree, and uh, did the whole seminary route. Uh, started study church uh, planning stuff. Uh, one of my you know, old mentors, Aubrey Malfer, is there, drilling mm. uh, us with church planning stuff, and, and, and really joined a, a kind of a recent church plant as my first uh, assignment out of seminary. And so that was in Houston. I uh, never planned to stay down there. I think I, I made a mistake, Rich. I told God I only wanted to go to Texas <laughs> Seminary, and then I wanted to leave. And stuck <laughs> down here. Gosh. So uh, just loved uh, loved the you know the the idea of doing something new uh, at that time in the uh, uh, mid late '90s and was a part of a local church staff just you know experiencing uh, the the blessings of being in a growing suburban area and in, in one of our you know larger growing cities mm-hmm. and so uh, it was out of that experience we had brought in consultants some were good and some some uh, some weren't frankly. And uh, I was really fascinated, though, with that role on the other side of the desk when we bring in these, uh, what I call now a strategic outsider, to to help. And so I was so fascinated with that. I just started, you know, learning a little bit more. I started, uh, you know, shadowing guys who were doing stuff like that. And there wasn't a whole lot in the church space, but I found myself just gravitating toward um, helping churches with, uh, with with clarity and strategy and, mm-hmm. and vision-related stuff. And if, if you can imagine at that time, around 2000, there's really a lot of um, kind of outdated concepts in the vision space. You know, strategic planning as a classic approach was dead. Right. You know, the Barna book was 20 years old now, and no one really cared about that. The church right. stuff had kind of eclipsed, and we're kind of moving on from that. So that was just, uh, I was just, Trying to help uh, one, guide one church, and you know, well, and started slowly helping others until it became, you know, a, a full-time vocation. Yeah, I remember um, early days, you know, my minister career. That bar in the book you speak about, um, I remember it just being dog-eared and this idea of like, we all need to have a vision statement, and yeah. you know, and to be honest, went through some of those early. Um, I still remember as a young pastor, you know, associate pastor at a church um, with my senior pastor looking at me a bit strange, like, come on, this is super important. Um, right. And we had a big retreat. We went away. Um, and it was the classic deal. You know, we had, we got the really snappy sounding vision statement, put yep. it on the wall, and then went back to business as usual. Yep. Uh, it, didn't, it didn't really have any impact on us. Yep. Uh, now, yep. so why, tell me why. 
you know, how is it that, you know, or why should churches be worrying about, you know, vision frames or, you know, getting clarity for who they are? And, and, and how is it not just that kind of thing that just ends on a, sounds really good, sits on a wall somewhere and doesn't impact their ministry? Yeah, great, great question, Rich. Uh, you know, the, the truth is, Rich, that there are a lot of, you know, apparent needs that we deal with in, in the church. You know, oh, we got financial issues, we got space issues, you know, and, and we, you know, we got staffing issues, and there are all these kind of highly, you know, concrete things that are right in front of us. And I believe it's easy to get distracted on some of uh, what I call the, you know, the fruit level issues. If you imagine a tree, and there might be some root level issues. So um, uh, Thoreau once said, "There are a thousand people who hack at the branches of evil, for every one who hacks at the root." Wow. Reverse that around and say, you know, there are a thousand ways we're trying to grow fruit on our ministry tree by by fertilizing the you know the branches if you will rather than looking at at the at the root issue so fundamentally i believe that uh, you know most of the pastors i meet i believe are visionaries period they're called they know it they've got stuff beating in their you know chest that they want to do for god but you need more than just a general sense about the future right, right. to make great progress and so what i believe fundamentally is in most leaders lives there's there's some level of clarity. There's some clarity piece that they, they've not thought through or articulated well for themselves or the team maybe together, and that's hindering progress. So you know, my passion is that every leader I meet, they'd just be this unhindered, seamless sense of progress that's always bubbling forward and moving ahead. Uh, but there's usually, there's usually a dam somewhere on that, that you know, possible whitewater stream, you know, it, hmm. And, and so we're just trying to find where, where that clarity work's not been fully uh, massaged through and, and grappled with as a team. Right. So now if, I know part of the conclusion is people really need to interact with you and your organization, and we'll, we'll get to that so people can contact you and all that. But if, you know, if there's, you know, we have church leaders from all different types of churches, from church planners up to, you know, the brand name churches listening in, you know, what would be some initial steps if there's probably all of us can identify that, you know, we need some more clarity around vision, around why we exist, around what is, you know, what are some initial steps that you think kind of every church should take um, in this area? I think to address that question, Rich, let me let me connect the last point I made with the right. story and then move, move ahead. So, sure. Just last week on Tuesday, I was with the church in San Diego. There, um, they have about uh, five sites. Just a really vibrant, growing church. And right in the middle of uh, you know debriefing with about twelve staff, uh, we 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 had a very interesting uh, very interesting thing happen. There was uh, there, across these five campuses, they do something a little counterintuitive in the worship service. And about Fifteen minutes in, after they've done some worship, they do a five-minute coffee break. Everyone dismisses, and I mean it's a full-on like get up and just you know have some fun and hang out. And it you know for most churches it was, it was really a disruptive element, uh, you know. But these guys, it's just part of their casual Southern California vibe. Right. So, uh, watch this happen at five totally different campuses, five different areas of the city, different venues, different fields. And it was interesting. In one of the uh, one of the venues, when they released to go up, no one left. Hmm. The atmosphere, the point and the flow of the worship, no one wanted to get up and leave. And there's a little bit of an awkward pause, and someone had to get up and say, hey, this is the time where you're now dismissed. <laughs> what was uh, really natural at one campus felt unnatural at another campus. Hmm. So in the behind-the-scenes conversation, you know, that campus pastor is ready to chuck that little five-minute piece because he sees it as an, you know, kind of something impeding 
the flow of his worship. Wow. All the other campuses, it's part of their kind of their DNA, if you will. So here you've got just one little snapshot of what happens hundreds of times a week potentially in a in a staff. And that is, okay, is 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 that a campus constant? Is that a is that a philosophy of ministry conviction? Or is that just a, a practice that's tied to a deeper conviction that, you know, every campus can really have the freedom to do what they want to do there. And right. so an illustration of how much, you know, well, microscopic piece of where clarity matters. Uh, most churches haven't defined values or campus constants in a way that brings a lot of freedom and flexibility to this is the core of who we are. Here's where you have a lot of latitude of expression. So, coming back to your qu question now, of <laughs> how do you get started? We we really created the vision frame as one very practical litmus tool. If you were to go and scan some of the the stronger thinkers in organizational dynamics, you'll find that healthy organizations have about four to six questions that they've really defined well together. And we, on behalf of the local church, so it's from the church, kind of for the church, we've said, you know, here are the five best questions that churches probably ought to answer as part of their code or their DNA. Mm. And, and, and we just kind of set up that little tool and say, guys, if you can't answer those five questions in a clear, concise, compelling way as a team, this is a great little little checklist to you know have some practical conversations to get started and hammer out some some further clarity. Well, do you want to talk us through maybe one or two of those questions, or the ones that maybe seem to create a bit the most tension uh, within a, a local church? Yeah, there. It's funny, Rich. There, you know, depending on the where we are in the context, size of the church, history, <laughs> you can get really hung up on any of these. So. The two that, that, that listeners would be most familiar with are the classic idea of a mission and value statement. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, again, what's important is not what you call those, but having some framework and common definitions as a team. So uh, those are, you know, we would say mission's what you're ultimately, spo ultimately supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. uh, most churches answer that in a generic way where they've really not pushed through to, you know, kind of a unique articulation based on their, their time and place. Uh, the other uh, statement is of values. What are, we would say, what are the top four guiding convictions to why you do things the way you do things at your church? Mm -hmm. And so, again, most churches have a very generic and too long of a list of those, so it doesn't really create a breakthrough dynamic for the team Right. on that. I'm thinking of another church uh, we just worked with uh, in Phoenix, and I'll give you an example of a mission and a values that were articulated in a very uh, robust and very precise way for them. Their mission is inviting the distracted and disinterested to realize their role in God's story. Hmm. And so that very particular word choice there to articulate the Great Commission. And then they have three values there that they, they talk about. They call it, they don't call it values, they call it really their, their personality as a church. Hmm. So they want to be a place that's safe yet fun. Uh, uh, excuse me, safe yet dangerous is <laughs> their first one. They want to be a place that's uh, intentional yet fun, mm -hmm. and they want to be a place that's uh, humble yet confident, and that's who they are as a, as a people of God. Hmm. Um, the, those are the first two clarity pieces, Rich, that we would use. This The second two, and these are all part, these are four kind of questions that we use to around the vision frame, so we say, talk about framing up clarity. The other two are how do we do what we do? And so we encourage churches to draw a picture of how they accomplish their, their mission on the broadest level. And that picture basically would be what are the most important 
events and things that you encourage people to go to, or, or you call it a, a, a missional map. I mean, hey, just give me a real practical. Let's let's all lead from a practical picture of uh, you know where does a worship service fit into everything I want someone to do mm-hmm. you know, as a as a growing follower of Christ. You know, how you articulate your mission, and that's a fun one to work through. And the, again, the, the problem there is you know most churches are overprogrammed and underdiscipled. So until we've really thought through that that process, um, you know. Uh, a lot of sideways energy can occur in, in a church's programming, and then the, uh, the the final one, Rich, and you know, for for listeners who uh, feel like they they're in a growing church, they do have a healthy staff or team, they might have a lot of that initial clarity, mission values figured out. I think the the last top of the frame, last side, we call it measures. Mm-hmm. You might think of it as outcomes or results, and this is where most effective churches really benefit from the the checklist and the vision frame. That is that most churches, even healthy, effective churches, really have never articulated what kind of disciple is their church designed to produce. Right. So having this clear portrait of a disciple is is really uh, you know is really powerful. I'm thinking of one church we worked with in San Antonio, and they have a, a statement that they call the the how we lives. Mm-hmm. And for this church, um, you know, I think they they they're maybe running about six thousand, very missional kind of decentralized church, and they and just blessing the city. And they have uh, these how we live statements. They talk about listening to God, speaking a blessing. Uh, they talk about downsizing to maximize. They say keep your passport current. They say peel the onion. And as an example, peeling the onion is having two or three people that you can go all the way to your core with and, and really be authentic and, and have significant accountability with. And so, But over the years, they just drill. These are the outputs or outcomes. These are what a disciple does there. And they can actually, Rich, measure that if they want to. So you're not now just measuring butts and seeds and dollars that come in every Sunday. You've got some got some teeth in terms of measuring, hey, how many times did you have lunch with someone for the sake of the gospel this month? And that's something that people can count and celebrate right. and build stories around. You know, it's funny, just this week I had in my local context, <clears throat> I had one of these kind of um, strategy, um, really misfits kind of grinding internally where and it's it's funny how this stuff connects to just super practical issues um, we were you know we do in a couple campuses we offer coffee on a Sunday morning we don't offer it across the board and um, around our coffees there is this there's little clutches you know like at Starbucks where they have like their logo on it yeah and it's funny because we did those last year and, and I thought they were a great part of, you know, it's a kind of a part of a strategy from a communications point of view. Yeah. And we came up to this year and we had to buy some new ones and the campuses were like, we don't want to spend money on those. It's not worth that. And so we ended up in this conversation where, you know, I'm like, no, this is a part of, this is why this piece, and it's you know, a longer conversation, why this piece is important to the overall strategy. It's not just... It's not. It's bigger than just hey. It's one little piece of paper around a cup, um, and you know I find if you can't drive your strategy and your you know vision, your mission, your measures, even as you were saying, they're down to that level. Um, you know it's hard to move forward as an organization. Yeah, absolutely. What you know what we you talked about where do you get started? And the funny thing, Rich, is it, you know if if godly people get together in a room and give themselves the time, I mean time works wonders. So dialogue really leads to breakthrough. But usually we don't have clarity because we've not set apart the time to have the necessary dialogue. And we don't do the dialogue because we don't have time. But the irony is the massive amount of time you can save. In fact, I just calculated, Rich, if you had, let's say, 
three guys on your team in a given day spend 10 minutes of, you know, that's the after meeting conversation or maybe it's 10 minutes of texting or it's just, you know, hallway talk or whatever. So if just three people spend 10 minutes doing, and let's say they were just doing it with two other people, mm -hmm. okay? And let's say that happened every day for the next five years, okay? Wow. Calculated how many eight-hour work days are lost. It's 337. You oh lose 337 work days in five years because right. of those nine people having that 10 minutes of sideways conversation. Again, assuming it's kind of just that little kind of, you know, neutral, benign gossip. It's just that. Right. I think, you know, you, leaders have no idea how much time they save by investing a little bit into the, the clarity conversation. Right, absolutely. You know, the, and the flip side of that is imagine if, if, if all we did – Instead of, I know as a leader, sometimes I can, particularly because I'm, you know, I'm probably slanted a bit more towards tactics. I can just, as I interact with either volunteers or staff, just be like, this is what we want to do. Um, and I constantly, I'm trying to train myself to pull out from that and say, here's why we're doing it this way. Let's talk about the vision behind this. It's, you know, the coffee clutch is one piece of it, but this is how it connects to our broader vision. Um, and gosh, if, if I would just, I think that's even a good reminder on the positives. If I could take 10 minutes every day, if even a small group of us took 10 minutes every day, just to explain a little bit more about why we do what we do, how it connects to the bigger picture, man, that organization would be infused uh, with vision. And just the, here, here's the here's the heartbreaker, Rich. We we can't have those. Most churches can't have those conversations because they've not really framed up right. what, why, the how, the when, and we the last one, the where. And when you have that kind of one pager with this dynamic clarity, then it's I mean it's it's actually very easy to have that vision dripping happen. You know, day after day after day. And so it, it anyway. Why don't you tell us about your organization a little bit? If people want to, you know, learn a bit more about you, um, you know, give us a sense of what Oxano does, and you know, just kind of your piece in the kingdom. Sure, sure. The uh, yeah, Oxano started in two thousand and four, and I started just with a, just a couple of people the first year. Again, most of us are all pastors. We've got some support people who, who aren't necessarily, uh, you know, seminary trained pastoral experience, but we have uh, about twenty five of us, and we. Uh, our, our mission is to create breakthrough clarity with church teams to realize their vision. Hmm. And so for, for us, the, the ebb and flow of our day's work is just being with teams, usually 6 to 12 local church team, you know, in, on a team, and we facilitate uh, sessions. And we really have a, a core experience that we call the vision pathway, which is the, the framing up, if you will, and most of the leaders we work with are strong leaders. They have, you know, as I said, you know, they're, they're visionaries. So we're not actually bringing vision clearly. What we're doing is just helping them better articulate what they're already called to do. Uh, once we do that, we have five services around that that are very, that get a little bit more practical, tactical. But what we're doing is we're, we're we're creating breakthroughs in some of these different strategic areas. One is leadership pipeline. Another is in execution, and we have a, a uh, we run a Stratop process that connects to the vision frame. We have a campaign group, which is taking quite a different approach than the uh, the forty year old industry out there that has kind of a very canned or templated approach. And we've redesigned that around the vision frame. Uh, and then we have uh, the last two services. We have a communication toolbox, so we can help a church brand itself uh, around its uh, vision frame. And then we have. Uh, of a discipleship design, and when a church needs extra help on designing its group's model, 
connected to its its articulated vision frame, uh, we can come in and, and help them with that. So uh, we say we use six keywords to describe it. It starts with vision, and then around that we can help with execution, leadership, resourcing, communication, or discipleship. Cool. Is there anything else you'd love to share with our uh, listeners today? Yeah. Well, I well just you know. I think the, the, the big idea that we that drives us is that God's doing something cosmically significant and locally specific in every church. And Absolutely. W- w- what you are called to do something unique, you are unique. Your gifts and calling are unique. And so uh, we, we, we love that idea. You're, you're born and original. Don't die a carbon copy. So invest that time and clarity uh, to uh, – because um, vision is one, one of the greatest you know, uh, things that you get to steward as a leader. This is the Unseminary Podcast, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. All right, well, we've entered the lightning round. Uh, today we have Will Mancini uh, on the, the podcast. Super happy to have him with us today. Um, so, Will, what's an online resource that you're using these days that you're finding particularly helpful? Yeah, you know, I just, just signed up for a new thing. It's, uh, it's kind of a, a cool little quirky thing. There's a, a consulting group called SY Partners, and they have a uh, kind of a team-based, kind of an online team-based collaboration tool to create uh, better teamwork. It's called Teamworks.is. So team, Teamworks is. Cool. Uh, and it's got a. It's a. It's it's one of the best blogs I've seen out there. It's kind of a new find, and uh, I actually signed up for a little uh, thing where you collaborate and your team can uh, can kind of speak honestly uh, uh, and anonymously at times um, in in this uh, this collaborative kind of. Work on your team together in an, with an online tool. So that's a that's a great one. It, again, Teamworks.is. Cool. Um, what's a book you've read in the last you know six months to a year or something like that? That's that's had an impact on you. You've kind of it's got you chewing on it. Wow. Yeah. That's uh, that's a great question. Boy, there's several that I could list there, Rich. The one that really uh, I think the mo- most significant in the last year is Center Church by Tim Keller. Mm-hmm. And the uh, kind of the depth of that resource is is pretty, it's almost overwhelming. So <laughs> right. you just read and you know, Keller, you can easily read and read, reread over. But it, it uh, some of the depth there of his thinking about uh, culture and city, uh, his thinking on work, uh, his thinking on missional. Boy, a really rich resource. So I just keep going back and plowing through that, and find it, find it really fantastic. Yeah, there's no doubt Tim Keller's one of those gifts to the body of Christ, right? You know, everything I read, I'm like, oh wow, I I I need to continue to plumb the depths of my faith because you know he's he's great, fantastic. Yeah, I, don't know, I don't know how one person gets so much stinking you know IQ and ability to hold all that. Very true. God created an anomaly with him. It's amazing. He's amazing. That's very true. Um, are there? What's another ministry out there that's kind of inspiring you these days? You're looking at, you know, a unique vantage point because you're working with a lot of different ministries. But what's someone you're looking at? You're particularly intrigued with? Uh, you know, well, that's a great. That's a great question. I, uh, in terms of churches, if, if you say churches, um, just um, just finished a process with a, um, with a Mountain Park Community Church there uh, south of Phoenix and. You know, I just love love anyone who's really bold enough to just break out of break out of the mold and really, uh, you know, you know, like like I've seen with you guys and some of the things you guys do. Rich um, was uh, was working with a um, uh, church in North Carolina. They're called the Cove. Love these guys. They mm-hmm. they've got you know we talked about the output results and not needing to count attendance. They uh, they've recently embarked on a really bold vision to launch uh, basically. 
it started as neighbor, you know, kind of became a neighborhood campus church at my place kind of thing. Where they've just said, you know, we we stopped reaching people by by doing the big box, and they've got an active multi-site um, strategy. But they're launching now um, sites in literally people's living rooms. They want to empower people to have a church campus in their, you know, in their family room. Just invite friends. Right. That's a pretty bold thing because you just can't count that. Like right. good as a church leader, and they're saying, you know. Who cares? We, we're going to reach the next, you know, ten thousand people. We think through a living room, family room strategy. So it's that kind of stuff that really fuels me when guys are willing to uh, do some some really uh, innovative stuff. The church in uh, in Phoenix has really designed their entire church around this idea of uh, I shared their mission earlier, realizing your role. So they built their entire equipping strategy around family roles and kingdom roles. And so basically, you're never really in. Uh, a place at church where there's not a stated role that you're working on, and that's a very refreshing, I think, take on uh, you know on kind of the small group and service ministry dynamics in a, mm -hmm. in a church. Uh, that's cool. Yeah, John uh, John Gibson from uh, the Cove was on our podcast. Um, that was probably a month ago, six weeks ago, um, and so he did a deal on a talk. He talked about neighborhood uh, campuses, and so. You just go to unseminary.com forward slash John Gibson. You'll see if people are interested in learning more about that. So that's a Cove is a great church. Unseminary um, was already there, man. Awesome. <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, if you could get 15 minutes with any leader today uh, who's alive, that's a big question. Who would you uh, who do you want to get that time with, and and why? Yeah, that is, that is that's a great that's a great question. You know, for uh, I I can't resist. It's not really a leader, but uh, for. For my whole life, I was a huge Cat Stevens fan in uh, in college, and uh, you know he became a Muslim. He stopped yeah. he stopped singing, and he, he did come out with a new album finally, you know, a couple of years ago. And I've always I've always well, this is not really answering your question, Rich. No, so that's good. So the, the, always the one guy I want to hang out with would be uh, now Yusuf Islam, but Cat Stevens would be the guy I want to hang out. Just just I want to talk to him a little bit about his music and a little bit about Christ. Um, in terms of leaders out there, you know, I think um, I have a great admiration for uh, you know the just Craig Rochelle, Andy Stanley, those two fans, and they just bring such a you know kind of a strategic horsepower to the table. Mm -hmm. Leaders get access to those guys through Catalyst and some things, but I think there's more there than that that, that any church leader could benefit from, and I would want to get those guys together, just continuing to talk more about some of their. Uh, just kind of what 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 they do to uh, keep their strategic horsepower, you know, sharp. Nice. I love little Cat Stevens fan. That's a good. That's uh, great. All right. One last question. And when you're not helping the church frame up its vision, um, what do you do for fun? How do you just kind of kick back, um, you know, and relax a little bit? Yeah, my uh, well, two two of my uh, kind of outdoor loves are mountain biking and snowboarding. So depending on the time of year, uh, I'll either try to try to get on. You know, fat tires there, or uh, just try to find a place to hit the slope. So the whole family of uh, three teenagers and my wife, we all snowboard. So we try to try to get away and do that. So that, those are those are things. And when I when I'm at home, it's just probably through reading and just uh, hanging out with the fam, watching movies. That's that's pretty. Those are those are the big things for me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Will, I really appreciate you being on the show today. Uh, thanks so much for your time. Um, if people want to get in touch with you or Oxano, how can they do that? Yeah, there's two ways. Uh, you can always go to uh, oxano.com, A-U-X-A-N-O, 
com, or uh, you can get a hold of me through uh, my blog or Twitter is the same. It's just uh, will willmancini.com, and the Twitter's will mancini m a n c i n i. So love to love to connect with folks who have any questions or thoughts about about clarity. Great. Thanks so much. Thank you, Rich. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter at Rich Birch or through email rich at unseminary.com Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary.